on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. We continue our breakdown of OU's roster by looking at the wide receivers and football guys talking basketball. We discuss OU hiring Ginny Baranchek and talk some OKC Thunder. We finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend, where we talk a lot about the Masters. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? My man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, April 12th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2020 F-150s than anybody else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC Difference Program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle and includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the performance when you test drive a Roush or Raptor and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit MetroFordOfOKC.com for more information or go to the dealership and tell them we sent you. Now, we're recording this on Sunday night. Just a reminder, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, to please leave us a five-star review and comment with what guests you would like us to have on the podcast. And Teddy, I'm telling you now, it, it, it is in the works that Porter Moser may appear on this podcast. It is in the works. Uh, Their emails have been exchanged. That's all I say. Emails have been exchanged. Well, you and I both know this, that there's no way to launch a successful tenure at Oklahoma without being on this show. It's just, you got to start it off on the right foot. You really do. You got to rally the people, right? right. You got to rally the people. And I was like, hey, you know, Quite a few OU fans listen to this. We think it'd be a good idea to get not Porter. I mean, come on. That's what I was saying. So I think we're going to be able to make that happen. Uh, We still got to work out the details, find a, find a time that works for coach Moser, but it's, it's headed in the right direction. That's what I'll say. I love it. It's in a better direction. It's headed in a better direction than my weekend did because (laughs) I am (laughs) Full, I feel like we're full disclosure on this podcast. Today's like the most hungover I've been in a long time. Like long time. Now I'm feeling good now. Pounded some water. Got in the sauna. Like I, I did everything I needed to do. Had a beer for balance just to, you know, get the system feeling okay. And, oh boy, there, there was a hairy, 
hairy couple hours earlier on Sunday. I was like, yeah, I, I'm just getting old, man. I'm getting old. I could tell the voice sounds like you were yelling all night. Yes, I was. It was stupid. <laughs> I don't know why I did it, but we were five, a bunch of people were in town. We were entertaining. Finally had got to have a bunch of people over to the house for pretty much the first time. It's the first time we've done anything like this since we moved in. And boy, I was, I was feeling good. I was feeling good. And then that's usually the next day when you, you don't feel very good, but I'm bouncing back. I feel good. I'm well, that's fine. good. We had, since it was 80 plus degrees today, we had, we had like a, a, an early run. It was a soft opening kind of for the pool this weekend. So had some people over, fired the grill up, had the uh, the pool heated up, watching the Masters in the backyard, and I'm not in midsummer form. I'll just tell you that right now. My, I, I still got to work out the kinks uh, personally as far as taking in some of the uh, the beers. You know, yes. I've, I've got to work it. I got to get in shape. the The tolerance isn't what <laughs> you remember it being. Possibly, that's right. Where all That's of a sudden right. you're like, whoa, wait, what happened here? Okay, let's get to the OU football stuff, and we're going to continue our breakdown of the roster. Let's let's look at wide receivers tonight, Ted, because you look at where they're at at the wide receiver position. I think I think they're in good shape. When you go back and look at last season, uh, although Marvin Mims had a fantastic freshman year, you really didn't feel like maybe they had an elite guy. Now, Marvin Mims is certainly headed in that direction, but here's what the two deep looks like right now as they're about midway through spring ball, or I guess farther midway now, but it's on the outside at X, you've got Hazelwood and Weiss. On the inside, the position they call the Y, you've got Mims and Stoops, and then the other outside receiver, what they call the Z, you've got Bridges and Mario Williams, the freshman. So let, let's start with Marvin Mims because they moved him inside. They've moved him to that wide position. They think he can be even more dangerous in the slot. They're really excited about his potential there and it allows him to run more routes, right? Because the sideline is farther away when you're in the slot. I know this is it's kind of easy to understand, right? So he he can expand the routes that he's going to run in the offense. They can move him around a lot with motions, and they feel like it's the first time in a while that they've had a legit deep threat playing there in the slot. So I know some people see him getting moved to the inside wide receiver position and they're like okay well what is he going to be doing running option routes what like some speed outs like some shorter stuff no they feel like they can push the ball vertically with him as an inside wide receiver teddy and it's going to be really interesting to see how lincoln riley dials things up for marvin mims because you put a really talented guy in the slot you get them matched up against, you know, safeties sometimes, maybe linebackers sometimes, nickels instead of like star corners. He could have a massive year. For whatever reason, we've been conditioned to think that the inside wide receiver or slot receiver 
is a place to go to just be a third down guy, um, a possession type wide receiver. I blame and the I New think, England Patriots. Right. That's what I was about to say. It's be, it's because of Wes Welker and Mandola. But whenever you look at Oklahoma, the most productive players that we've ever had have been inside wide receivers. Royals, uh, Shep, uh, Marquise Brown. I believe even CD was a inside wide receiver. The the only guy I could think of recently that's been an outside guy that was the number one go-to wide receiver was C.D. Lamb, and that was only in his final year. So whenever you look at it, in Lincoln Riley's offense, just like you were talking about, that inside spot, that's the go-to spot. That's where you can dict. It's so much easier to dictate um, coverages, matchups at the slot than it is the outside. At the outside, you're getting the best corner. That's who you're going to get every time at the slot. You can move those guys around and finagle it to get a safety in man to man, a nickel who's worried about play action, worried about being in the run fit. So there's a lot more production there at the inside wide receiver spot. So whenever we see that they've moved Mims inside, I think that tells us good things about Mims, not bad things. Absolutely. And with with him, and they talked about it last year, they continue to talk about it. He's just a smart guy, just understands concepts, picks things up quickly, extremely coachable. So he's it's been a very easy transition for him. And the one thing that Lincoln does a great job of is dialing stuff up, right, for guys. And, and I assume that he is going to have a lot of things ready to roll by the time the season rolls around for Marvin Mims there in the slot. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a – actually, I probably would be surprised if he's not a double-digit touchdown guy next yeah. year for them. No, I, I agree with that. I I am interested, though, the, the total number of touchdowns receiving that we're going to have, it's fascinating for me because last year it was a lower number. I think Rattler had 28 touchdowns passing, but he had 10 dropped touchdown passes from this receiving group. So it's easy to look at that number and just say, well, he's going to have 35 plus, you know, he would have last year and and maybe that's right. But I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think the pressure is on with this group and I think Mims has a chance to have a huge year, but he's going to have, I mean, the better your outside guys are, the better your slot is. It all works together, man. If you can, if you can really spread those secondaries out, make them not sure where they're going to focus the attention, I think it makes everyone that much more productive. But it's a big year for these guys. You know, I never would have thought, as talented as this group is, you look at the year they had last year and try and, and, and move it forward to this year and predict what's going to happen. It's a big year, man. It, it really is. With the talent they have in that room, last year was a disappointment. I feel you. I, I, I agree, and I think a lot of people agree with you. And look at the big brain on you. I looked it up. <laughs> 28 touchdowns for Spencer Rattler last season. How, look at you. 
Look at that big, like big, every, big, massive brain. I was hoping no one would look it up because there's a good chance it's going to be wrong. You you know why I looked it up was to tell you you were an idiot, but then I was like, dang, nailed it. Nailed it. But uh, one of the guys on the outside that's got to step up, right, is Trajan Bridges. Now, last year in the past, seems like he wants to move on from that old, th- that old thing. We've you know talked about the suspension and all the stuff, how weird that all was for him, but – this is a guy that needs to make plays for this team this year, Teddy. And it sounds like he is he's doing some really good things in spring ball. He's become very, very good at going up and getting the football at the high point. And I, I've compared him to Tylen Wallace before. And I know he's he, a little bigger, I guess, technically than Tylen Wallace is. But there, if he can be that type of wide receiver for OU, the way that Tylen Wallace was for Oklahoma State. Now, he probably won't get as many targets as Tylen Wallace did while he was at Oklahoma State with all this talent that OU's got at the wide receiver position. Don't forget all those tight ends, but this kid has has to turn into a player. He has to, and it sounds like he's ultra-motivated after the whole saga of last season. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. I don't know. It, it, I don't know that we've ever had a position group have the recruiting class that these guys had. So, just in with that in itself brings a ton of pressure. You know, uh, whenever you've got that many five stars and that much talent in one room, and it's tough. There's only one football, so if one guy is doing great, well, the other guys are probably lagging behind, and it doesn't mean anything necessarily as far as their skill level. It's just, it's hard for this many talented guys to all get an equal share of the load, even though the the talent is probably pretty equal. But you know, I I honestly think whenever you look at Hazelwood, Weiss, and Bridges, right. This is, I'm not going to say like this is, it's a make or break year, but if the young cats coming in are starting to show that they're on equal ground, then there's, there's a point where you got to start going with the younger guy. And I'm not saying that's necessarily right now, but it's a big year for all of those guys from that, that recruiting class, Hazelwood, Weiss and Bridges, all of those guys, this is kind of a. This is the year. This is the spring and training camp coming up where they really need to start separating themselves. Yeah, they got to start making more plays, right? Mm-hmm. Especially Bridges and Hazelwood. Uh, I just don't think – and now, obviously, last year was weird with the suspension for Bridges, the injury to Hazelwood that I think really threw things off for him. But Weiss has been the most reliable of those three three guys, and you, you look at the Oies, this spring hasn't practiced much. He, he hasn't. So, but every time I talk to anyone about the Oies, the word consistent comes up. I don't think he's as talented as Hazelwood when Hazelwood is at his best and healthy, but I think right now you look at those three guys, the Oies has been the most consistent player of those three. Now he's been on the field more. So maybe that's why it, it seems that way, but he's steady. I, I don't think he quite has reached the talent level that they thought he was going to, but he is a guy they can rely on. And 
that that means a lot. Like if if these other guys don't start showing the potential that they were supposed to have, like I guess you just keep going with Weiss because you know what you've got with him. No, I thought he was great last year. And, you know, one of the most important things about a wide receiver isn't necessarily your talent level. It's what does the quarterback think about you? If the quarterback trusts you and knows you're going to go make him right on a, a, a 50-50 ball or it's third down, this is my guy, he always finds a way to win it, like that means as much as anything does. And I felt like last year as the season rolled on, Gabe, that Theo Weiss seemed to earn that trust from Rattler because what was it about the, is the Texas game, I think, that he caught a bunch of balls. They were all like short, third down, third and mediums, and he was coming back to the football, winning some of those, those 50-50s. And it seemed like Rattler started trusting him from that point on, and his production really skyrocketed. Yeah, if you want to see who a quarterback is, actually trusts go and look you through look at who he threw the ball to on third down now of course some plays are designed to go to certain guys like coverage dictates a lot of that stuff but if all else fails qbs are looking for the guy that they trust on third down and it did seem and we talked about it last last year on the broadcast as the season went on like it did seem like Theo Weiss became that guy for Spencer Rattler, especially yeah. once Stogner was gone, right? He was looking for Weiss a lot in those third down situations. Well, you know, it, it, it's critical and you've got to have a trusted guy. A lot of times coverage is going to be good and uh, uh, pressure is going to be on in the pocket, whether it's blitz, whether it's uh, maybe a four man rush has been getting home all day. And you know the ball's going to come out quick. And when the ball's got to come out quick, you don't have time to just sit there, pat it, wait for someone to break open. You got to throw it and let a guy go make a play. And whenever you see that, it's typically third downs, right? And and that that means a lot. Now, obviously, Bridges missed a bunch of time. Uh, Hazelwood missed a bunch of time. And we're just getting rolled with some of these younger guys. But seemed like Theo Weiss earned that trust down the down the stretch last year. But, you know, I'll tell you, it seems like the competition may be with the Young Bucks right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. You look at Jaden Hazelwood. He's back after that weird thing where he didn't go to the bowl game. You know, personal reasons, whatever. Don't really want to get into that stuff. But looks good. But I still think he doesn't look quite the way that he did before the injury, right? He is not, he is still not all the way back to the guy he was before he tore the ACL, which is a shame. And some, it takes some guys longer, right? But probably taking him a little longer than he expected it would, which is a bummer because I, I really do think he was poised for a breakout season last year before that injury when he is healthy he's the most talented guy that they've got with the highest ceiling, right? You, we talk about potential highest ceiling, whatever cliche you want to throw out there, but he's got to get back to a hundred percent. And it sounds like the goal is to continue to ease him along and have him feeling confident enough 
to get rid of that knee brace heading into fall camp or even the season. It, it does seem like that may be part of it is that, you know, w- when you have a major injury, sometimes it, t- it takes guys longer to trust their bodies. And it, it seems like he wants to ditch the knee brace, the medical staff being a little careful with him, this whole thing, but it's time for him to make the jump, right? He is supposed to be a dude, not just a guy, right? He's supposed to be that dude, and I'm with you. This year's huge for him. I think this is a huge year for Jaden Hazelwood. Let me ask you this, because just thinking about it, you've had an ACL injury. Do you think wide receiver is the hardest position to come back from an ACL? Because – Almost every position, like offensive line, like D-line, linebacker for the most part, you see what's happening. But wide receiver, there's the unknown. I mean, whenever you run a route over the middle, you're looking back to the quarterback. You have no idea what's happening behind you. And you just kind of have to trust that, you know, the hit's not going to be on the right spot that's really going to injure you. It's it's probably the position that's played blindly more than anyone else on out there on the field. So, I mean, maybe, there, maybe it's the slowest to come back uh, at wide receiver. It could be wrong, but that's just kind of a – at least trusting it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like feeling totally confident in it. Yeah, I think probably wide receiver just from – you know, how the position is wide receiver and defensive back, right? All the change of direction stuff. So, and where, where you have to react and even wide receiver where you, sometimes your route is dictated by the coverage, right? If, if you get a certain look, you're running this. If you get another look, you're running that. And you have to think on your feet. You have to constantly play fast. And that all starts with trusting your legs. Man. I mean, it all yeah. starts with being able to run with speed if you don't play fast at the wide receiver position, you're not going to be that effective. That's just how it works. So I I think it's probably wide receiver and DB, right? All the change of direction, all the split-second decisions, and the other, a little bit of that unknown element of playing the wide receiver position. Well, it's just like, you know, you go, you go inside to catch a slant, and you used to have to worry about getting blown up right in the chin, right? You don't have to worry about that anymore. Now you have to worry about the legs. And whenever you're blind and that ball's coming in, you got to be thinking about, is there a shot coming low? Is that, is that free safety in the middle of the field coming to take my legs out? And I, it's just got to be, it's got to be difficult. It's, it takes some serious courage to go over the middle. And especially whenever you're coming back from an injury, man. One guy that uh, the coaches talk about just being willing to do whatever is Drake Stoops. And it, it sounds like he just continues to make play after play after play in practice. Now, he has his limits athletically, right? He, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's quick, good route runner, mixes it up as a blocker. But, Teddy, multiple people have told me he's absolutely balling this spring, like that he has given the defense issues. One coach even told me that with Mims now in the slot, and Stoops backing him up, he feels that's the best two deep of any position on the team. That's how well 
Drake Stoops is playing in spring ball right now. So it, it they feel really good about the inside wide receiver position with what Mims has been able to show in this short period of time. And then as Drake Stoops, he just continues to get better. He continues to produce. Yeah, it's it's impressive. I've really liked what I've I've seen from him. He's a fun guy to watch. And I think that I don't think he gets enough credit for how, how, how athletic he is. I think because of his last name and his, his size and his stature, people automatically think that, well, he's not very athletic. I don't, that's not the case at all. He's incredibly quick. He's really good after the catch. Um, I thought it was great to hear um, Kale Gundy talk about him. It, he says that Drake Stoops walks around every single day with a notepad and everything that he's coached, everything that anyone says goes in that notepad and he reviews those notes constantly. So much so that coach Gundy said that sometimes he's worried about what he says <laughs> because he knows it's going into the notebook and there's a chance that at some point that what he told him may be wrong. So it's it, it's always got him thinking about he's really methodical about what he says to Drake Stoops because you're going to be held accountable for that at some point and and that's what you love as a coach I mean when a guy's that locked in that anything someone says to him that's what he's going to do so if you tell him the wrong thing it's not on him it's going to be on you at some point I just love that I think that's great are you telling me that. Drake Stoops is the well actually guy in the room. <laughs> well, actually, coach, there's uh, there's a lot of those, and that's fine, right? You gotta have that guy. Keeps everyone on their toes. Oh, Call yeah. you out on your bullshit. Like I mean, right. if you got it wrong. Hey, you Don't gotta, show up yeah. in a meeting and wing it, coach. You can't do that. Well, what he doesn't know is that Drake Stoops is actually just working on a memoir that will be that's published right. in a couple of years. Best I'm buying it. I would buy it. Hell, his dad wrote a book. Why not? I'm sure he's got a plug at the publishing company. Okay, a couple of the young guys you're talking about. Mario Williams, man, it, it sounds like this guy is going to be a factor right away for this team. You talk about explosiveness, serious speed, the, the ability to stretch the field vertically. You can never have too many of those guys. And it sounds like he is going to be that type of player. And then Cody Jackson, I, I'm not sure he's going to be a guy that factors in right away, but I've been told they feel really good about where he's headed. And they think he can be an elite wide receiver in this program. They feel like if he develops, Teddy, that along with Williams, these guys are just going to be a ridiculous combo at wide receiver. Yeah, I, it it seems like this is yet another recruiting class where they nailed it at wide receiver. It's, you know, with the five-star guys and the group of, of talent that's in that room, that wide receiver room, when a lot of the convo coming out of spring practice is about one of the early arrivals, Mario Williams, that tells you something. I mean, you've got to be special to stand out in that group and we've heard a lot about Mario Williams, so that tells you what he's got. And, yeah, I mean, if you're Cody Jackson and you are 
finding yourself a little bit down the depth chart, you got to take everything into perspective, man. Think about what's in front of you. Pretty much, I don't know, eight guys or whoever is in front of you could start at, oh, there's what, 130 Division One schools? Of those 130, all of those guys could start at about 125 of those programs. So you just got to take that into consideration a little bit, hang it out, to continue to show out every day, get better week by week, and your time's going to come. I mean, you're going to find your way onto the football field if you do the right thing. So uh, it's good to hear that the young guys are doing really well so far. It's it's early, man. I can't imagine. I I still am, even though this has been a thing for well over a decade now, the early arrival situation is just, it's still so weird to me that these guys – show up supposed to be in the spring semester of their senior year and are out there in spring football with the big boys. Just getting reps, baby. Trying to impress. Gotta love it. Okay, for our call your shot, we just asked for the listeners' thoughts on the wide receiver group. Uh, This one comes from ZT Atkinson on Twitter. He says, this group has to perform or we are screwed. We've recruited at a high level. Now it's time to show out. Hazelwood, Bridges, and Mims have to ball out. If they don't, it will be a disappointment. And by the way, at ZT Atkinson, is that, that's his handle on Twitter, but above it, it says Toasty Pants. Huh. Huh. I, okay. I wonder what's making the pants toasty. I have questions, Toasty Pants, but I agree. Those guys, those guys got to play well. If, uh, I mean, Lincoln Riley's offense is going to produce yards. It's going to produce points, but this is, this now is, and it may not be fair, but it's like playing the national championship game or the season's kind of going to be viewed as a disappointment, right? I, I think with who all the guys they got back now, they didn't get everyone they were hoping to get back. Right, Ted, but that's kind of, that's kind of how the season feels as we, you know, get through spring ball now and kind of get into the summer and start building up toward the fall. That's it's feeling like the expectation, not only from the coaches, but certainly from the fan base. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. And it's, it has to do with who we've got coming back and our situation also has to do with some of the main competition out there, Alabama, Clemson, uh, Ohio state are all replacing quarterbacks. So that kind of falls into your hand a little bit. Now they're not going to have bums that are going to be stepping in there, but it is a little bit of an opening that you would hope to be able to exploit. But I agree. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, 10 dropped touchdowns last year. That's way too many for a group as talented as, as this core. So they should have a fantastic year. We are not lacking at talent at any one of those wide receiver spots. We should be able to exploit people at every one of those positions. Well, Teddy, at jshane94 on Twitter said, we won't lead the nation and drop touchdowns this year, LOL. So I think... Good starting place. And then Glenn Warshaw said, Mario Williams will get ample playing time as a true freshman this coming season. Glenn, I think you're on to something, buddy. Uh, I think that uh, you, you've got that right. Okay. What does that say, though, if he does? Is that, is that I a, hope it says that he can 
that he's just an absolute baller, right? As opposed to, I mean, speed, speed, man. I, I don't care if it's young, old, it doesn't matter. If you can run and you can run by guys, we can find some plays for you, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I don't think it's it would be a huge indictment on some of the other guys, like if he's just faster than them and he can stretch the field vertically, like you, you got to put the kid on the field. If he could run and he's open and he can catch the football, well, yeah, we got to find a way to get him out there. No, I, I, I'm anxious to see what happens. I mean, I don't think it's an indictment on anyone else, but it does say a lot whenever you've had some of these recruiting classes at wide receiver and a kid's able to come in as like I was talking about an early arrival and turn heads. That's that's a good problem to have, but it's still shocking. The, the word that keeps coming up, juice. Mm. The kids got juice, Teddy. Okay, let's get to football guys talking basketball. But first, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And guys, spring is here, and you know what that means. It is hard seltzer season, baby. Ted, I hammered Will and Wiley's <laughs> by the pool this weekend. Love hammered it. them. And had Love. some out-of-town guests trying for the first time. They are like, dude, these are good. I was like, yeah, I know. Duh. But there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on the podcast, and that is Will and Wiley. Hard seltzer from Coupe Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It is made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store, new, store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. Okay, FGTB, football guys talking basketball. And it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. OU hired a new women's basketball coach, Jenny Baranchek. Baranchek, for all you wondering out there, I believe it, it's B-A-R-A-N-C-Z-Y-K is my, I think that's right. I, I'm trying to do that off the top of my head. That's probably, that's probably really wrong. And I apologize to Jenny, but I was reading up on her. I mean, she's been killing it at Drake for a long period of time, right? You look, she's been the, the head coach at Drake for the last nine years where she had six consecutive 20 win seasons. She also took the Bulldogs to three NCAA tournaments. And you look at what they did in conference. That was the most impressive part to me, what they did there in the Missouri Valley conference. Her teams were pretty dominant. Ted over the last seven seasons, Drake went one Oh nine and 17 in conference play <laughs> and never finished Worse than second in the Missouri Valley Conference. She had two teams. She did it twice. Her Drake teams went undefeated in conference play. She was the Missouri Valley Conference Coach of the Year twice. 
and the thing that which which is all great. You look at all those stats and all the success she had there. Listen, I'm all about the style. I want to know how her teams played. I went down a little YouTube rabbit hole, watched me some Drake women's basketball, Ted, and her team's score, which I was so I was so excited. I was like, please just make make sure she she brings an entertaining style to Norman and she does. You you look at it and I've dug into some of the numbers. Team score. They put up points. Her teams have averaged over 80 points per game over the last seven years. Over 80. So her team's shooting the ball well, shooting the three, all these things. So it sounds like they've got a quality person, right? You heard Joe Castiglione talk about how she fits the culture. I think that's kind of just a, a given at this point when Josie makes a hire. But I'm excited because it sounds like gonna be it's gonna be an exciting style of basketball, and she's had a lot of success with it. Yeah, it's it's everything looks like it's going to be great. Uh, that record in the Missouri Valley Conference is outstanding. Um, you know, it comes down to recruiting and development. If she's going to be able to recruit and she can develop the talent whenever it gets here, they got a shot. I mean. We know it can be done. We've seen it done uh, routinely here at Oklahoma before. Uh, it's a new era. Hopefully she comes in. Uh, not necessarily that she's going to do anything better than what Sherry Cole did, but different sometimes is good, and a change-up is good. So there's going to be some energy in there and up-tempo. People love to score points. Recruits love to score points. So if you can go somewhere where – Players are filling it up. Those point averages are high. You got a shot. I'm excited about it. So welcome to the OU family, Jenny Baranchek. I really hope I'm saying that right. I looked it up in the pronunciation guide and everything. I think that's right. It sounds right. It I'm saying it with me, confidence. No, it sounds right. It looks right. It reminds me of the – you remember the old commercial where the guy – the limo drivers are holding up the name and the guy would get in the limo and be like, I'm Dr. Galaziwikiak. <laughs> I feel like it's the same thing here. I'm Jenny Baranziak. Baranchek, I believe. <laughs> Baranchek. I think I'm saying that wrong. I'm sure people will let me know if I'm saying it wrong. Okay, Teddy, the Thunder, our beloved Oklahoma City Thunder, it has, it's gotten real ugly, real fast. I mean, real ugly, real fast. Yes, I'm still watching every Thunder game. I watch them all. I don't know if I just like punishing myself, but I pride myself in not being a fair weather fan. Listen, I fell in love with OU football in the mid nineties. Okay. So I, I know what a painful season is and it's okay. I can I can get myself through this, but they've lost nine of their last ten. They've lost six straight by an average of twenty eight and a half Oof. points. I mean, they are just getting destroyed. Uh, played the seventy sixers this weekend. Now, I didn't expect them to have an answer for Joel Embiid. That guy's really good, and still very much he missed a lot of games with. The injury, but I, I still think he's in the conversation for NBA MVP. Uh, the, there's no doubt. I did 
I, I did not expect Furkan Korkmaz. Korkmaz, I think was how you said it. I didn't expect our man Furkan to go for 20 on the Thunder. I that that hurt me a little bit watching this guy. I was like, man, this is uh this is not fun. Now it was oh Poku got hurt, hurt his arm. I no one saw that coming. No one saw that frail guy getting injured during the NBA season. <laughs> like, of course he got hurt. It was only a matter of time. But I will say this without Poku out there, the game was significantly less entertaining for me for some reason. Just because I, I find myself just like staring at him during the game sometimes, just like seeing the odd and awkward things he, he does kind of it brings some joy as I'm watching it in pain, if that makes sense. But it was, it was good to see Darius Baisley back out there. Crazy to think he's missed, what, 15 games with that shoulder, what they called a shoulder contusion or a, bru- a shoulder bruise, missed 15 games. Are you games. shocked that he didn't say, hey, I know I'm healthy, but I'm not going out there with those guys. I'm not playing with that group. I it, it, he did look pretty good. Was moving well. Uh, had a great stat line. It was like seventeen and nine, but look, looked good. But yeah, we, I know a lot of people are like, "Well, we want him to lose games, so we don't want Baisley." And Dort was back. The Dortress was back. Man, he missed like seven games with a concussion, so must have been a bad one. We we understand that Dort. We get that. You get you get some bad ones. I understand you missing some time. Get right, man. But I, you still want those guys playing games. You may win some more games, but yes, you want to have a really bad record. But at the same time, it's very important that Dort and Baisley and even Shea, like I hate that Shea is missing games right now with the foot. Like you want those guys to continue to develop and get better. And oh man, it's, I'm still watching, Ted. I'm still watching. Sorry. I just needed to vent about it. I just needed I to let a little shocked. out. Shocked. Shocked. I know you're a huge Thunder fan, but I am shocked that you're still watching these games. I I feel bad not watching them. <laughs> if that makes because like it's it's you just like what a I do. Thunder playing to go watch their bad their kid that's terrible at sports play anyways. It's like you have to be there. That's kind of how it feels for me. Uh, are you, do you, and I'm sure a lot of people just aren't watching right now, which is, we've talked about them not having any fans all season and how that can kind of affect things as well. And now it, I, they may end up being one of only a handful of teams in the NBA that don't have fans this season. So it's, I don't know, man, but I'm, I'm still supporting them. I'm still supporting them. I like watching. It's just, it's been a rough stretch, man. When they, when they, when they got whooped by Detroit the other night, I was like, man, Ooh, I'll tell you what's hard. So I, my DVR records every single thunder game. So whenever I sit down in front of the TV at night and I kind of go to the list to see what's up, there's a thunder game. And it's like, okay, let's check in to see what's going on. And it's like, they're down 25 at half. It's like, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to tune in and 
want them to come back because ultimately I don't want them to come back. But if I don't want them to win, I know it's still interesting to see some of these guys develop, but it just makes it incredibly difficult. If I don't want someone to win, it's hard. It totally takes the interest out of it almost. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there is still some like to see these guys develop and who's playing well, who's getting minutes, but it makes it really, really difficult. They now they if they we, got beat by twenty seven by the Cavs a couple <laughs> nights ago at home. The Cavs, man. And I know I I know all the people that didn't play in that game, you go look at the Thunder starting lineup for that game and you're just like, wait, what? But I don't know, man. I'm loyal like a dog. I'm just watching. I'm just, should I stop watching? I, I, it's a stress-free watch. I'll say that. Like, I, I'm not overly concerned about them winning, but I, I do want to be a little more entertained, maybe a little closer because like you just have to lose by one. That's all they have to lose by to get good draft picks. You just have to lose by one point. You, you don't have to lose by an average of 28 and a half points i'm just saying try if you're if you need something to watch try who killed sarah on netflix who killed sarah yeah what's it about well obviously it's about whoever killed sarah but can it's i get not a, a sh- documentary it's it's a it's just a it's a tv show i'm halfway through season one right now and i think season two is about to come out Ooh, okay it's pretty good now it is it is in Spanish, but they've got the English voiceover and it's tolerable. Okay. Question. <laughs> do you use and not not with like foreign language stuff, but do you ever turn the subtitles on when you're watching Netflix? My wife watched it with the subtitles, but I I did not because we had it to where it was it was doing the English voiceover with the subtitles, and I find myself only staring at the subtitles. So if you get rid of that altogether, then the English ends up being just fine. So I have I got rid of it. I've entered a phase where I will turn the subtitles on for things that are in English. And it makes me pay attention to the show more, but it like gets me off my phone. Cause I'm like, I have to read those damn subtitles. Yes. They're up there on the screen. I must read them. So yeah. I've started doing that. I, that feels like a real, real old man move, but it is. It's good though. It's good for you. Someone's going to make fun of me for that. That's fine. That's fine. I like it. My wife hates it. She turns it off every time. She's like, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> All right. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, man, I just choked on so much spit during the middle of that. Oh, God. (laughs) Best-in-class businesses 
when by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Tell them we sent you. And make sure you connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Okay, I know that I said that Bryson DeChambeau is one of the guys that I root against. And it's true. I do root against him. But I had to take him as a winner because the dude had one round under par, the entire Masters, ended up as a plus five. But it's really all anyone's talking about, right? Because of his approach and you know, he hits the the driver with such force and aggression. And will it work? Can he win majors doing that? I got to say, even though I'm not a fan of the guy, he drives a ton of attention. And the group he's in of plus four, plus five, plus six, there's no one in that group that's being talked about right now. And DeChambeau, the camera's always on him. Even whenever he's not doing well, the camera is on him. He's polarizing. And you know as well as I do, Gabe, that any attention is, is good attention. And I, I got to say that he's a winner. Even though he played terrible, not what he wanted as a result at all, he probably had as much or more camera time as anyone out there aside from maybe – your handful of guys that were right there in contention. Whenever you're playing that bad, it's like whenever Tiger was playing. Even when Tiger wasn't anywhere near the leaderboard, they still had to show him almost every shot, what he was doing, and it's kind of the same thing with DeShambo right now. I got to say, as bad as he played, as much as I can't stand him, he's still a winner. He's getting a ton of attention right now. You could have gone with Hideki Matsuyama. But you're going with DeChambeau you're, you, right. as the winner as opposed to the guy that actually won. That's right. That last round was kind of boring, wasn't it? In a good way. Kind of a boring yeah. Sunday. Hey, he played great. And all the credit in the world goes to him. But tomorrow, no one's going to know who won the Masters, unfortunately. That's just kind of how it is. People that watched it, yeah, they're going to know. But most people who turned it off, like you take not last year when DJ won it in the fall, but like when Tiger won it, the whole world knew who won the Masters, right? With Hideki winning it, uh, even though it was a great weekend for him, it's just, it was quiet. He's not polarizing. He's just quiet in general, I think. Like, And I guarantee you, Japan is celebrating. Right. His win, what, first sure. Japanese man ever to win a major. So clearly going to be a huge deal in his home country. But 
I was kind of pissed off at Xander Shuffley because it, it looked like it was going to get a little tight there, and then he puts it in the water on 16 and triples it, and it just like because you could see it building on Twitter. Like I was looking at Twitter right when everything was happening. Like Shoffley's going on that tear. Maybe Matsuyama's getting a little tight. And then it was in the water and it was all over because everyone was like, Oh, we could get good. This could be good. And then it just died so quickly of all the places too. 16 is, and look at me, I I'd hit it in the water there every time, but that's not really a water hole. You know, that's not, 15 okay uh 12 and 13 sure maybe even 11 but 16's not typically your water hole so that was he, pretty bad he i so on the par threes i've started looking kind of like where the guys divots are because it's so they're so good at creating massive divots in front of the golf ball like it's it's so impressive to me for some reason i'm like fascinated by it it's like well the divot actually goes way in front of the ball for the pros how about that and when he hit it on 16 i was sitting there watching it with my wife i go "Ooh, that's fat and she's like what are you talking about and i was like i'm telling you it's fat and then bloop i was like i told you look at me and my golf lingo getting into it ted oh yeah wow i love it i love it no but i, I gotta say dechambeau as horrible as he played, I think he still comes out as a winner just because of the amount of attention that he gets for playing bad. Yeah. He's you're right. Golf needs him. Yeah. No, and, uh, with no tiger. Right. And tiger woods, probably never going to be tiger woods ever again after what just happened. So they need something. Even, even if people are hate watching, DeChambeau, hoping he crashes and burns, right? Hoping that the wheels fall off. Golf needs it. They need it. So I'm with you, Ted. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I had to go with UCF here. Now, some people may say they're the winner on this deal, but for their spring game, UCF is putting the players, they get their Twitter handle on the back of their jersey instead of, their name. So, you know, yours would say, what's your Twitter handle? At Gay Bikert or... Yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's just my name. So it would literally just be my name on the back of my jersey. So that's what they've gone with. And it's cool. Guys get their Twitter handle thrown out there. But to me, this is just a, a, a massive invitation for everyone to hammer the kids that don't play well in the spring game. You know, it's it's just, I I see this as going horribly wrong. Like, a kid throws an interception, and it's like, wow. I Typically, I wouldn't have said anything, but since his Twitter handle's right there on the back of his jersey, I'm just going to go ahead and blast it out there. Maybe Maybe I'm just an old looking at this, but I don't know. I guess the players probably like it, but... I think it's a big invitation for obviously the the lowest common denominator to show up. Right. The because sensible people aren't going to like most sports fans when they complain college sports fans. Now, when the guys are getting paid millions of dollars, 
hey, you you gotta you gotta take some of the craziest comments. You just gotta. That's that's part of being a professional. But most college sports fans will complain on social media and not tag the kids a lot of the time, right? Just mm-hmm. just generalized complaining, like what we all do. Just a nice venting session. All of a sudden, and I'll say this: the Twitter search function, like you. You search a guy's name, it can take a little bit to find the guy. So it, it takes some effort. Putting the name out there for you to be like, hey, at Jimmy, you suck at playing quarterback. Like the trolls, the trolls would, yeah. that, the trolls will come. Here's the other thing, too. It's, it's okay. I see a Central Florida. Why don't you do that during the, the regular season? Then we'll see what's up. You let them put that out there in the regular season on the jersey. Now we're talking about something, which goes to a whole new, like a whole new level just to think about it. And we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but right, if that amateur situation is struck down and the name, image, and likeness still shows up, now all of a sudden you lose a whole bunch of those rights that you've got as a student athlete. Those coaches that say no social media, no Twitter, none of this stuff, now all of a sudden, if if that amateurism thing is struck down, you can enforce that. Now, it may ultimately hurt you, and I don't know that anyone would do that, but it just you know does make you think a little bit that you may be losing some rights, too, whenever you gain some of those other ones. Yeah. Some kid's going to legally change his name to his Twitter handle, isn't he? That's going to happen at some point. I'm sure it's happened already. Maybe not as an athlete, but. (sighs) (laughs) We'll be fine. Why don't you name your your son coming up at. uh, Have you settled on a name yet? We have. Cameron, my wife's maiden name. Just going to call him Cam. Cam Eichard coming your way June 30th. Just go ahead and put it on the birth certificate at Cam Eichard. Yeah, I think my wife would kill me. <laughs> I think she would. <laughs> like, you did. Could you imagine? You did what? But honey, he's already got honey, a thousand followers. I, UCF did it. Gus Malzahn did it. He, it. It's the future, babe. It's the future. You got to get it now before someone else does. I love By it. By the way, I am, I'm reading lots of books right now. Lots of get ready to be dad books. A lot of. A lot of stuff being consumed right now, taking a lot in. So getting prepared, Denny, because I know the books will teach me everything I need to know, right? That's how it works. They're going to teach you everything you need to know, and you'll be able to relearn it all the day he's born. Awesome. (laughs) Riverwind. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in April from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $100,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's Baskets and Cash promotion. Nice. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. 
And Teddy, make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with Tennessee State football players because it was announced that Eddie George, yes, Heisman Heisman Trophy winner Eddie George will be the next head coach there at Tennessee State, which is in Nashville. So not a bad gig for Eddie George. I think he's stuck around there since his career with the Titans. But is this I, – I think this is a thing. Like the famous, famous former player that has no coaching experience, right? We saw it with Dion, right? Now Eddie George. This is, this is a thing now. Hey, if you, can, if you can take a job, a lower-level job, and go straight to the head coaching position and – cut your teeth, maybe end up having a little bit of success. It's probably a better way to go about it than any other way. Uh, if that's, if that's where you want to go, I mean, if you can get that job, do it. Wow. Yeah. But my winner of the weekend, Will Zalatoris, <laughs> because this skinny, just 24 year old guy, what finished second at the masters. And that's great, right? Played some fantastic golf. Did some good things on Sunday, too. Just had had a lot of ground to make up with Matsuyama. It it was going to be difficult anyways. But the real reason he's my winner of the weekend is because of the Adam Sandler tweet about him. Because Adam, Adam Sandler sent a tweet that said, Have fun today, young man. Mr. Gilmore is watching you and very proud. And for those of you that are happy Gilmore fans, I assume you all laughed your ass off like I did because he does look like the caddy in Happy Gilmore. Like the just little twerpy caddy. I think what was it? The Waterbury Open that yes. he's playing in. And so I, I knew nothing about Will Zalatoris. Absolutely nothing. I, you know, knew it was his first time in the Masters, knew some people liked him coming into the week, but you go back and watch that movie, the really skinny caddy. But remember, he's the one he chokes. Yeah. Like, and he grabs his bag and he's like, What the hell are you doing, kid? But just make the, sure I don't do anything stupid and embarrass myself. And then he stands right in front of that guy. Where were you on that one, dipshit? <laughs> Which is one of the best parts of that movie, right? It's like that. But so. I was like, I wonder if Zalatoris gets this a lot. And he's he's been getting it for a long time because, Teddy, he's got a wedge. I think like his 60-degree wedge says, Mr. Gilmore, I'm your caddy <laughs> on it. Like on the club. Like he's got it stamped on the club. So he gra- I forgot about that because he comes up and grabs his clubs and he pushes him down. <laughs> yes. Mr. Gilmore, I'm your caddy. So oh, wow. that made me like Will Zalatoris so much. The fact that yeah, he knows he's a skinny dude. Like he does, he's like, okay, whatever. I'm awesome at golf. Screw you guys. But the fact that he has that 
on the wedge made him very likable and very easy to root for for me. It, kids fully embracing it. I love it. I love you, it. I'm, an, you I'm not a Zalatoris fan. You have to absolutely take that and run with it. You got to squeeze every ounce of that you can. And uh, whether it's playing around with Sandler or having Sandler caddy for you at like a pro-am or something, I don't know. You've got to take that and run with it for, for get every inch you can out of it. That's awesome. Absolutely. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll be one of Sandler's guys now, right? He'll appear in a movie. Uh, or that's something. what I'm saying. Like that, that's if you can be someone's guy, it has to be Sandler. That's Absolutely. the only way to go. He, he certainly takes care of his own. Okay. My loser of the weekend thought about going with the golden state warriors. Yes. I'm still, I know the thunder suck. I am still paying a lot of attention to the NBA. I love watching it, but golden state not going well. And James Wiseman is hurt again. And this time it's not a risk. It's he, it's a knee. He tore his meniscus and sounds like he's going to miss the rest of the season. You start getting lower leg injuries, like the lower extremity injuries to these big guys, man, this guy they took with the second pick of the draft. That is, that is not what they want. That is not what they want. They want to maximize Steph Curry's career, right? He's starting to get up there and James Wiseman was going to be a big part of that. So now has missed some extended time a couple different times during this season. Not good. Not good. I also thought about going with Billy Horschel. I don't know if you saw that clip, but my man, he's in the water on the 13th at the Masters. Ball fully submerged. Can see it, though. He's like, I'm going to hit this thing. I'm going to – the shot he hit was unbelievable, but he does the thing. Takes the shoes off, takes the socks off, takes a look at, hey, where do I want to land this golf ball that's submerged in water? Where do I want to land this on the green? Because, yeah, normal humans could do that. And he goes back to walk down the hill to hit the ball out of the water and fall straight on his ass. And it was an awesome clip. Probably my favorite clip of the entire Masters. And this is exactly why I do not own a pair of white pants. Okay? Because... This, something like this would happen because what's the first thing he does he's like oh god uh turns to his uh playing partner and is like do i have anything on my butt here uh just terrible but hey if it takes sliding like an idiot down a grass hill to trade that in for the ability to hit the shot out of the water that he did i'll take it absolutely i'd, I'd fall down if I had to fall on my ass before I hit every golf shot to hit it straight, I would do it. I would sacrifice. I would sacrifice these buns. But my loser of the weekend is the city of Minneapolis. So this is interesting. The Minnesota Timberwolves owner, Glenn Taylor, has been openly right trying to sell the team for a while now. And he has finally found somebody. And that somebody is A-Rod and a billionaire named Mark Lore. So Alex Rodriguez and a billionaire are going to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it sounds like it is, it's going to be a couple of years before they have control, right? I think I read it was 2023 is when they will have full control of it. There's been some conversations about keeping the team in Minneapolis 
in there in the state of Minnesota, but I think uh, I think some Timberwolves fans are worried because when you look back at A Rod's career, a long stint in the city of Seattle with the ah, Mariners. Very interesting. Very interesting, Ted. Seattle has been bitching and bitching and bitching since the Thunder moved to Oklahoma City. I wonder if this is the way they get a team back. I wonder. Because well, if I, I know if I was a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, I would be very nervous and pissed off, upset the whole thing. Well, it's beautiful for A-Rod because you take over, there's going to be rumors of the Seattle thing. Uh, Minnesota fans are not going to want their team moved. They're probably going to – how old – do you know how old their arena is? Probably ask for a new arena deal, something from the city to pony up, help us either renovate or build a new arena. If you don't get that, you start flirting around with the city of Seattle. Ultimately, it's going to end up being a win-win for the new ownership group. Either going to get a new renovation out of the uh, Minnesota deal or maybe a new stadium in Seattle. But, no, you're right. Got to have some nervous people there in Minnesota for sure. The Target Center, I'm pretty sure, is where they play. And it looks – I've only been to Minneapolis once, and it was the Minneapolis Miracle Game. That's a fun memory of that city. But it looks newish, so I don't know. But I, I do think this puts – Minnesota Timberwolves fans in a unfortunate situation. So I read that and I was like, Oh yeah, that's, it's going to be a rough two years for them thinking that it's possible that that team. I think they'll be all right though, man. It's tough to move a team. I mean, I know Minnesota hasn't, hasn't been good recently, but it's, there's a lot of hoops to jump through in order to move a basketball team. Yeah. I'm with you, but still, those Timberwolf fans can't be feeling good about it. No. Episode 102 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time